Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. We delve into the diverse journey of our guest, Rebecca Hayes. I met Rebecca at a wine and pink party and immediately connected with her warm and friendly demeanor. I'm no painter, yet she made me feel like one in about two hours. <laughs> Rebecca is a woman of many talents, whether it's her financial acumen or owning her art business, the Purple Haze Gallery, she has a lot of great insight to share. Rebecca has a unique way of turning weaknesses into strengths and infusing diverse influences into her creative outlets. What is so important about effective communication and time management? And what is her special approach to pursuing her dreams? And what about those financial tips? Listen in to learn all of these things and so much more. Enjoy this episode. I love to have people on that have a different career and I don't think I've talked to, I mean, I've talked to artists and I've talked to, but I feel like in the world of artists, there's lots of different types of artists. And so, um, I'm curious about your path with your artistry and creativity. And then you had mentioned like you have side hustle life and then you have a, like another, you know, gig for your, your, well, I don't want to call it the real gig because I feel like that somehow discounts the, yes. <laughs> so yeah. I'm careful of my words there, but plus I just, you know, we had a really fun time when we met, uh, you hosted a part or our friend, a mutual friend hosted a paint party, but you are our guide. And I am not a art person. Like I don't fancy myself to be someone that can, uh, paint or create art and you, Turn me into an art person. Yay! That's the goal. <laughs> I don't know how you did it. It's like magic. Uh, I just showed you. We pr I proudly uh, show my artwork yes. uh, that from that paint party. So I it was really fun and I enjoyed it. And I think the idea that like anybody, given the right direction and practice and the right tools, mm -hmm. can do a thing. And I think so. My whole things around soft skills development, and I talk a lot about that about it skills that you develop it's not necessarily inherent some people think oh if you're extroverted then you're good at these skills and I, right. my whole thing is like it takes time and I with art I mean there's obviously those of you that are really good and have a gift but I think there's maybe a lot of us in between yeah that like have have talent and we don't know that it's there. absolutely I think you know art in particular is one of those things where I hear people always say like you just said oh I'm not an artist or I'm not artsy yeah and I think there is that level of people who have an innate ability to create or just are good at drawing from the time they're a kid. But I even hear that I do an after school art program and I even hear kids say, oh, I'm not good at art. And so I'll say to them, you know, how much time do you spend working on it? Because it is yeah. a skill. It is not only talent based. It is a skill as well. And so Whatever natural abilities I'm, I may have had as a kid and young adult just playing around with drawing and painting, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't continue to practice and, and better myself and learn from others and also, you know, just have a passion for it. Because there's plenty of people who are 
vastly more naturally talented than I am as an artist, but maybe it's not their passion. Yeah. Maybe not interested in making it like a core part of their life. They just happen to be good at creating or replicating or it's, it's not something that they care about or want to focus on as much, even though it might be an innate ability. That's so, the ingredient of loving it and being interested in it. I mean, and the passion to learn, to want to learn more or to get better, I think is also that sometimes that's the, um, that's the elixir. It's like, how do you, how do you connect with that in terms of, oh, I might, I might have an interest in something and I might pursue it and it might not quite work out in terms of, I might not be good at the thing I'm interested in, or I have some innate talent that I've really got to develop and train it and strengthen it. Yeah. You know, that's why Tell me a little bit about a day in the life for you. Uh, I don't even want to like lead you too much with respect to um, what you do because I don't know that, you know, I don't know you that well. So this is fun for me to, to talk to somebody that I don't know as well. And then I kind of learn real time, like with our, with our audience. <laughs> uh, so tell me a typical day for you. Okay. So I feel like I wear many hats okay. and I'm sure that a lot of mothers, parents say the same thing, but I have always been somebody who has been interested in a lot of different directions. And this is kind of a, a life point of view okay. where I, love it. I think some people set off on a trajectory and they're, they're very um, specialists, right? They specialize in their career path and they stay on it. And other people might have multiple interests and multiple potential avenues that they could explore. And so it's hard to decide which one you like better. Yeah. And also which one will be most financially beneficial right. because that's the practical side of all of us. Um, and so actually straight out of college, I, I was at a small liberal arts college in Southern Maryland. Okay. And they had this program called um, Independent Student Design Major. Oh. And when that I told good. my advisor that I was going to transfer out of there because I was interested in journalism and they didn't have that as a major, he said to me, well, you know, you can actually design your own major here, but there's this whole program and you just need two advisors to sponsor you. So I, I went that route instead of transferring. And what I realized then was that I was extremely independent, that I could set goals myself. I could set my own curriculum. I could follow through on it and create my own major that was based in journalism. So I took cultural journalism classes, I took economics classes, and sort of combined them together to get this business sense of the media industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that path, I think, is something I think back on now in that it really defines how I work as a person, that I have multiple interests and I can, you know, let them intermingle as they will and find ways to make everything cross-disciplinary. So um, when I got my typical days, what you asked me about, it seems atypical. I'm here in this outfit, which is I came from a financial planning firm today where I work part-time about 16 to 20 hours a week. And I went from Excel sheet hell today um, literally doing um, cost basis calculations for clients and estimating capital gains for mutual funds. Oh my gosh. Um, and doing the math of it and, and being highly analytical and working with clients to maybe this afternoon I'll start finishing up my commissioned painting of downtown Clifton. 
Um, so my typical day is get up, take care of my kids first, get them on the bus where they need to be, steer them in the right direction of eat your food, pack your backpack, me go to work, typity type, excel hell, <laughs> very competent at what yeah. I do there. And then any time that I have apart from that, I dedicate to art related. So it could be that I have an art smart after school class coming up. And so I might just be going through my materials and bundling them up because I take them to the school. Or it could be um, finalizing the lesson plan for that program. It could be working on an art commission. It could be going on to my print website and adjusting things there and communicating with the, the web host to make sure that they upload a new piece of art that I want on my print website. So it's very multifaceted. I do, it, it's funny when you talk about art, people talk about right versus left brain. And I do feel myself go into like the creative yeah. mode. I do feel myself switch gears. Um, and it's very, I got into art because I found it soothing. Mm. I thought it was a great creative outlet. And I just got into this meditative state when I would do it that I just really enjoyed. And it's almost like a little addiction. You're compelled to do it. Yeah. So that's my day. Usually it's very <laughs> everywhere, all over the place. In terms of your jobs out of college, were they finance related? So yes. is that, uh, was that your path in terms so of, it was not my intentional path. Yeah. I graduated the year 2002, mm. which is immediately after 9-11. And so I had, in the spring before 9-11, I had done an externship at um, Maryland Public Television. So I was okay, trying to gauge, yeah. is this a good career path for me? What's my trajectory going to be with regard to journalism and writing? And um, one, a couple of things happened where I kind of realized I didn't like the environment that people were working in there, that I wasn't feeling connected to it. But secondly... 9-11, a lot of hiring freezes, mm -hmm. in particular in the media. And so everywhere that I would try to apply, straight out of college, hiring freeze. And with my economics background from St. Mary's College, I had the ability to yeah. learn a new trade and the mathematical skills and comprehension to be able to sink my teeth into something that maybe I hadn't planned on, but could be a good possible uh, stopgap solution, yeah. right? And so the thing, and the thing that worked for me with that career path was I straight out of college, I studied to get all my licenses. You have a, several licenses you have to get to be a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. So it was a series six, a mm -hmm. series 65, a life and health insurance. I studied for all of those exams, passed them very easily. I was a good student, good learner, good studier. And um, started with a book of business that was serving um, retirement plan retirement plans for teachers and hospital employees. So it's like a 401k, mm -hmm. but it's 403b. And so I would go into schools, I would meet the teachers, I would explain their benefits for their retirement plan, and I would get them to sign up. And it was very simple and straightforward. I What I liked about it was I made my own schedule, made my own hours, worked out of my car, went was always was on this the your go. own business or did no, you no. work for another? No, yeah, yeah, you have to work for um, a broker dealer. Okay. So I worked for a, a, a very large company um, that was insurance based, and that you know that's how I got started in that industry. And 
back then I said, you know, it's a job that fits like a mitten, you know, it's, it's not perfect for me. It's not my passion or my interest, but there are, I'm pretty good at this and I'm good at breaking down something complicated and making it mm -hmm. sound more simple and easy to understand. And I like my, making my own schedule. So I know too. What a great analogy if it's like a mitten. Yeah. Because I kind of like a mitten too. It's like some days a mitten is okay. You yeah. know, it's like a nice, it's a, it's a good choice. Like it's a good option. Yeah. If you don't have a glove. Yeah. I'm guessing we're going to get to the glove part. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, okay, so then um, what I think is so interesting as you're talking, so you have journalis journalism and writing, mm -hmm. then you have this econ component, so the, the analytical and the quantitative, and then how does the art fit in? Like when did you start, did, did, were you into art as a kid and, and you enjoyed it and then you, you started, like you mentioned that you started to do it more maybe personally. Yeah. And then tell me how it's flourished now to be such a big part of your life. So. My dad was also in the financial field okay. and did 30 years working in finance, but he had a side hustle before that was oh, yeah. the name for yeah. it. And our house was almost like a museum. So he would, he was an antiques dealer basically and collector. Uh -huh. So he would go to flea markets, go to auctions, find art that he knew where it originated and maybe he'd know that the seller had underpriced it and he would snag it and a lot of the art would stay in our house because he loved it and wanted to display it and it could be pottery it could be paintings it could be antique furniture and he would take me with him to flea markets and I just fell in love with that I loved shopping for old yeah. things and finding hidden treasures so I loved that aspect um, but he also was an excellent artist and he will never admit that I think honestly more talented than I am but you know we are our own worst yeah. critic so I admired his art he created this beautiful mosaic um, that hangs in my bedroom now he created paintings and I think probably what happened to him that happens to me quite often is that you sometimes go into these phases where you don't create because you're so humbled by everybody else around you that you yeah. see their work and you think that's it's just a waste of my time to keep trying and so I was interested in art from a very young age because of living in a museum, basically. And I always had access to paints and drawing. Probably didn't get very much into painting until I was in college. And a friend and I just on a whim went to craft store and bought acrylic paints and canvas. And I was frustrated that my sunset pictures on the St. Mary's River did not look nice for my disposable camera. So I was like, I need to try to create the actual colors of these sunsets. So that, those were some of my very first paintings in college were sunset on the St. Mary's River. And I just kept doing it. Um, ruined a couple of carpets in my bedroom through college. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have all the tools, didn't have an easel, just kind of playing around with it. And then I don't remember which semester it was, but as an elective, I took um, painting classes in oil painting mm -hmm. in, at college. And then after I graduated, I continued to take just kind of recreational painting because it became just a consistent hobby. It's so interesting because I feel like I was I was had a, a friend of my son that my son's a freshman at one of them, and he has a good friend that ended up coming over and hanging out. And he is great athlete, this kid, and he loves to bake. And so he and I had this bake-off 
<laughs> we were like doing this bake off with chocolate chip cookies. And he was talking to me about how many times he'll go through uh, recipes before he gets it right. So he was talking to me about this these cookies that he ended up that we ended up having this competition with. And he's like, oh, I made them like six or eight times before I figured out the right way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fun. I was like, that's so impressive that a like, 14-year-old boy is like willing to put in that time. But I think there's like, and I, the reason it struck me is I, I think it's like you, you feel like, oh, there's a recipe. I should follow it. And if I follow it, it should be good. And then that's all there is to it. And, and with the art, and I think for like you talk, we talked about in the beginning of like there's just, it's kind of like art and math. People are like, I'm horrible at math. And they just... They just say I'm bad at math, and the art seems to have that same like binary: you either are, or you aren't. Mm -hmm. And I think the idea of like to, like that you said you didn't have all the tools, and you just kind of kept at it to 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 maybe be you enjoyed the process, and you wanted to have it get to where it felt more like what you wanted to see in terms of what it was representing. Yeah. But the idea that like that would that was a process to get there. Yeah. And it's like it doesn't have to be just one and done, or just because. And I just, that patience and the idea of, like, being able to go back. Yeah. Like, how many, I mean, I, now that you've done, been at this for a while, how much have you had to, like, scrap and start over? Oh, gosh. Is it all so the many. time? So, yeah. Even commission pieces? Like, yeah. Like, yeah. about that? I, I will, even the most recent commission, I wasn't happy with my first sketch of the building that I'm painting. Mm -hmm. And so I, I just kind of, I used to get really frustrated when I would scrap it, especially when it was a paid commission yes. because it's time. Yeah. You know, you, you go down a path and you start creating and then you have to just trash it. Then you're like, well, now my hourly rate just went down because yeah. I spent all this time and then it didn't work out. So now, I mean, this last one, I didn't like the first sketch. So I just put it to the side and I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to use this one for a color test just to, you know, as I'm mixing my watercolors make sure that I'm getting the right values, make sure I'm getting the right colors, and I'll just color test on that piece of paper before I go to the better sketch. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, you're always failing. And that's I think that's the part of anybody who's creative, um, I think also has sort of a perfectionist tendency too, mm -hmm. where we visualize what we want it to look like, and then if it's off the mark, we're very self-critical. And I know that's for me, and it's just, it's the worst part of it, I will say. It's absolutely the worst part. Um, I love creating. So I think probably, although I, I like commissions, I think they're probably the most stressful to do. That was, actually, you yeah. read my mind, that was going to be the next question. Yeah, to, they to, are, because yeah. you you not only have a, visual, a vision of what you want it to look like, but you're also kind of worried about what does the customer want it to look like, and mm -hmm. am, I, am I going to meet their expectations? And I feel like with art too, uh, it's so personal in that I suspect you can tell me if I'm wrong before you are commissioned and as your talents growing and as that practice is growing, it's the art you vision and you create because it's personal to you and it's something that you see. Then when it's someone else's thing that they want, do you have the same feelings? Is it, is it hard to necessarily be, the motivated isn't even the right word. Inspired. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. That's bit, yeah. That's the right word. <laughs> yeah. It is. No, it, of course it's less inspiring. Okay. Um, yeah. You don't have a personal connection, mm -hmm. so you're not as inspired. Uh, and so I think where you draw inspiration in that situation mm -hmm. is maybe from 
the colors, like the color play that you can do or the movement that you might be able to communicate in the scene. Mm. And simply the challenge of it, of trying to capture something yeah. as, you know, artistically as possible. Um, you know, I had I had some fun with a couple of home portraits in particular where maybe they didn't have a very good photo or they'd be like, oh, like this, it's kind of a mess now. It's an old house that belonged to my great, great grandfather. And so through the art though, you can use your artistic license and sort of bring it back to a fresher look. Um, still looks like it, yeah. but maybe you eliminate the ladder and the, the broken, you know, awning or something from it that you can kind of give it a little bit of life. And so that's where maybe the inspiration comes from on something that I'm not personally connected to is, you know, how can I bring some magic to it? I love that. And then for your commission work, is that typically the key, as you've mentioned it now a couple of times, is that typically the type of work you do with, with houses? Like, what is the, tell us a little bit about the art I mean, because I, I know okay. you do the parties, but yeah. So, so I would say my art style is yeah. just the same as my everyday life. It's all <laughs> over the place. It's eclectic. Yeah. Um, I have done portraits of kids, portraits of dogs, portraits of homes. Um, when I do those, it's typically watercolor. I like to work small. I have also done landscapes in mm. oil. I have done lands landscapes in acrylic. I have also done giant um, acrylic abstracts for people. So it really, it really varies. And I'm also, because I have eclectic abilities and interests in art, I'm always, I say yes. I say yes a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that sometimes if you say yes, when you're like, oh, that's not really like my niche, then you feel nervous about it. But I think it builds you as an artist or any career, mm -hmm. that if you say yes to something that you're not quite sure about, but you kind of learn yeah. your way through it, yeah. then it makes you better. So, agree, agree. Yeah, so I do a little everything. <laughs> How do you like, so you started out by talking about these different facets. Do you like, do you like the hybrid? Is it is it a goal for you at some point to be primarily working in art and and phasing out the finance work? Or do you still like the opportunity to I keep your skills sharp in that one space, you know, and, and that's been maybe a thread that's been a provider for you along, you know, throughout the years. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills, your one-stop shop for workshops, coaching, speaking, and soft skills development. If you'd like to hire Teresa, visit www.tfasoftskills.com for more information. I mean, I think anybody would answer that, that, you know, obviously you want to do what you're most excited yeah. and most passionate about. And for me, that is art, but having the very, very practical and economic side of yeah. myself, yeah. I, I just, I'm very practical. And so I want to have, you know, steady income stream mm -hmm. and I do get something out of that in that, you know, it is keeping my, me sharp. Yeah. It is keeping me sharp to be challenged in that way. And I look at that as a long time ago, I had a former employer that followed this program called Strategic Coach. I don't know if you've heard of it, but there's this whole element of competencies versus unique abilities. And your competencies are great. Like you can make a living out of a competency. You're, you're good at it. 
you maybe excel beyond other people at it. But your unique ability is really something that you're really good at and passionate about, and you're driven to keep doing it. And so, you know, for me, I think that I added in the income stream of the financial field again because it seemed to me like it was a a practical thing to do that I have all this skill set that's being unused and I'm not capitalizing yeah. on it. So why not? If I can do both, why not do both? Um, I also think there's a bit of an element of if you become reliant on your hobby, the thing you love, then do you keep loving it? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a question. I have I have a very good friend who owns two businesses, and both of them were in fields that she loves and is passionate about. But I know that you know the day in day out of running a business, even if it's your passion, there's just always something that you don't love about it. What I love for you too, the juxtaposition of the business aspect and recognizing the commerce piece of art, and I think there's a lot of artists that don't have that exposure or maybe that's a limitation. So being for you to, to know how to operate as a business and how to, to generate revenue from the art and then have that perspective of, um, I just think it's so interesting, like the, the places that it can reside and it doesn't have to be all the things, but I'm sure that that skill set helps to augment the other aspects of even of, of creating revenue through it, yeah. Even if it's not your sole source, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think you know, with the way that I look at the art business, mm -hmm. is that I want it. If it's to be a business, it needs to have it needs to be multifaceted. It can't just be reliant on me just doing commissions mm -hmm. because you do the math on that. And I'm not a famous artist. Um, I only have the capability to produce so much in a week that there, there gets to be an income limitation there. Mm -hmm. And so for many people, if it's, if your goal is only to earn, 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 then you're going to give up art because there, you get tapped out on yeah. how much you can produce. I mean, plenty of famous artists only produce so many works that are even known, right? right. So you have to develop, if, if it's going to be a business, you have to develop different segments of it. And that's what I've been trying to do. Am I there yet? Probably not. I think that I'm probably still at like the early phases of being able to take art and make it really a big part of my income stream. But I've built it in a way now that I feel more comfortable that I've got different components. It's not just me in my home making commissions it's you know the capacity to print my original work um, I have a new print website that you can print it's maybe a, a small painting I did maybe a small watercolor and blow it up to be home decor oh, on a canvas cool. or framed or in, on a tote bag <laughs> you know whatever you want <laughs> and I didn't have that capacity before um, I have the after school art program that feeds me in a different way yeah. Um, yeah. I feel really cool although it's providing income doing that I also just get just like giving back feeling what age do you is it on third to sixth grade oh my gosh so they're they're getting you know I'm getting to share with them my love of art and then yeah. they're getting to create yeah and, and really I cool. you know I learn from kids too because yeah. they <laughs> they're not limited by adult 
conventions, they just kind of go with it and they're, yeah. they're very chill about making art. So I love that aspect. And then the other um, component of my business is the, um, so commissions, prints, after school art program, paint events, which is where yeah. you and I yes. connected. Um, and the paint events is great too, because so it's nice. more of just a, it's not necessarily like, let's learn, you know, fine art skills seriously <laughs> and like let me give you 8,000 brushes and all of the materials you could possibly want. It's much more scaled down and so let's learn this one painting and let's try to replicate it and let's learn how to mix colors and understand you know how to sort of draw a scene on mm -hmm. canvas and I love that too just because it's so fun. It's just a fun environment. People come and they're getting to you know, release their creative juices, yeah. or maybe like you did say, I'm, I didn't think I could create anything, but I'm doing it and yes. sort of surprise yourself. So I think the more, especially the older you get, the opportunities you have to put your out, put yourself out there in different ways, continue to be open to learning like that for me, it's like you can get so habitual in the ways that you operate in your life. And I think when you get older, you find the things that you're good at and it feels good to do the things you're good at. Yeah. <laughs> and you spend a long time building that specialty to your point or that expertise. And so to put yourself when you're older in situations where you maybe you're not going to be the best or it's going to be uncomfortable or you might fail and it might look like poo when you're done, you know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's, it's subtle, but I do think people maybe shy away from those experiences or opportunities because of that, that, mm -hmm. that fear. But I think, the paint party concept is so great, and I know I'm completely late to the party. I feel like these have been going on for a long time, but the idea that like it's social and you can relax and there's not high stakes, and that if for someone like me who does have a like, I want it. I'm like inherently like a, I want to do well. At I want to win. I, I, I want to win know. this paint night. <laughs> yeah, that, it's maybe not that bad, but I do. For me, it's like I don't want it to be crap. Like I want it to. I and like. Right. And so there is, for someone like, it, I was able to get something out of it that wasn't so um, elementary that I felt like I was drawing a smiley face. Mm -hmm. So it was, you know, so it was really, it was cool. So before we move on, just since we've been talking so much about it, how do people find you? Like, we'll, we'll say it here, but then I'll make sure to put it in the show notes yeah. and in the intro too. But. So um, I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook business page, um, the Purple Haze Gallery. It's Haze, like cute. my last name. So cute. H-A-Y-E-S. And then I have um, my print website, which you can also connect to me, and it's uh, www.purplehazegallery.com. And, um, you know, the, those are oh, the probably two best ways. Okay, yeah. so then if someone wants to do a paint party or they mm -hmm. want to commission something. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your path in the sense of one of the things that I like to chat with people about, especially, you know, you've experienced a lot and you've had opportunities to... Uh, create some diversity in the work that you're doing and so I'm curious when you think about life shaping events whether it's like a significant event or a particular person or a mentor what is something that's happened to you that you think was like a pivot moment or a moment that really helped you to say like you know this is almost um I feel like there's these twists and turns <laughs> and that um, some are are more um you know, momentous than others. And so do you have, like, I'm sure you have more than one, but is there one that sticks out for you that's, like, you know, had an impact on where you are now? Yeah, for sure. Tell me. Um, <laughs> so I I got divorced when I was 27, 
and I had a brand new baby. And so I ended up moving, not easy. Um, I moved states away from my ex-husband who, you know, it was, you know, fine, but it was still just a tough time. And I, I guess it's sort of a, a YOLO because I went through a period of years where I didn't have a lot of choices in terms of what I could dedicate my time to and what I could try to do. I think when I got remarried and our financial situation was more stable and I had choices all of a sudden that I realized I don't want to waste my choices. I want to use my choices the best I can. Mm. So for about three years after I got divorced, um, I was, although my husband, my ex-husband was contributing financially, I was the primary caregiver for my daughter. And so I was like, get up at 6am, take her to daycare, go to work full time. Well, in between that, I had 20 minutes to swim in the morning. So I'd drop her at daycare, go for my 20 minute swim, go to work, check out of work at five, pick her up, bring her home, dinner, bath, bed, wash, rinse, repeat. (laughs) And during that time, I, I would say that I developed even more interest in art because I was alone at night. I mean, she'd go to bed at eight and then I was there in our apartment and I would just paint. Wow. And so I connected with it. It got me through a really hard time. And I was like, I'm never not going to be creating. I'm always going to have this as part of my life. And so that's pivotal, pivotal when you don't, when you're living paycheck to paycheck, you don't have time really to do or research other avenues of how could I live my life. You're just kind of like survival mode. Um, it made it so that when I later in life, you know, flash forward 10 years down the road, all of a sudden I started having choices that yeah. I said, wow, let me, let me, let me go down this avenue and see where it leads. It seems like too, like you were moving forward, like even with limited choices, I think there's something about momentum of doing something. And so the idea of like, even though it was challenging time, mm-hmm. but you were still like, pushing forward in some way and I feel like that in and of itself whatever that thing is maybe you know for you it was the art but like that idea of like when you're kind of down and out it's it's like oh I can if I just you know get up put my pants on Mm -hmm. (laughs) try and do a thing like that in and of Mm -hmm. itself can like that momentum and then look at now how this thing has evolved it's pretty incredible from you just you know doing that at night and thinking I want this to be a part of my life yeah I wouldn't have believed it I wouldn't have believed you if really somebody if I like went back in time and told my 27 year old self that you know one keep painting because one day you might have a little side business with this I would have been like whatever how (laughs) you know how would I make that happen that's I can't even visualize that at all and um so you know, it is crazy, and I, I think that you have to you have to get out of, if you can, I, how do I say this, like, there are limits sometimes, and I recognize that, and so at this point in my life, I recognize the privilege that I have to even explore this yeah. and, and yeah. dedicate time to it, absolutely, because I've experienced the complete lack of ability to dedicate to something yeah that you're it sounds like you're making the most out of it too yeah you know so like yeah I think the idea that you that you um can't picture it but also like I think you probably had to risk some right like because I think 
there's not a lot of security in that in terms of feeling like you don't know that it's going to turn out to be a thing. And so what, what do you think helped you outside of the painting to, to kind of push forward or be resilient? What are some of the things, like if someone's listening to this and they're kind of stuck, well, what, are, what else helped you during that time? Mm. During the divorce? Yeah, years? or just yeah. like, yeah, just kind of propelling to get to this um, point. I, I do think, you know, sort of, well, for me, setting a routine and a schedule for myself mm -hmm. was important. As I said, you know, I, I did make time for myself. I loved, I love swimming. And I also knew that I had to physically take care of myself mm -hmm. in some way. And so even though it meant I had to wake up a little earlier and I had, you know, one hour in the morning less with my daughter, I swam. Yeah. And I think it put me in a better mental and physical place when I would go to work all day and it, I'd perform better that way. It was something I was doing for myself, for my job, and as a result, probably my daughter too, because she had a better, more energized mom. So yeah. setting your schedule, doing some kind of exercise, and setting aside time to create in some way that doesn't have, you know, any expectation. Just, ah. it doesn't have to be art in the way that I do art. It could be, you know, maybe you like golfing or just another hobby, like having having the ability to dedicate at least a little bit of time to a hobby or something you enjoy. Make room for it. Make yeah. room for it, yeah. When you think about, I feel like you have, because of your eclectic ways, I think I'm interested in your perspective on, let's maybe start with your finance work and your um, and the work that you've had in that field. What are some of the characteristics of people that do well in that environment, right? In terms of either either yourself, like what's helped you to succeed there. It's funny how you were like, you were in spreadsheet hell and then you were like at the same time, it's like they are complex problems that you're solving and then it like the keeping you sharp piece. So in terms of, you know, for the finance people out there, uh, in terms of the, that that side of you, like what, what do you, what are some of the characteristics or what has served you well in that path? So and then I wanna ask on this, this yeah. on the art side. I think the motivation to help people is a big driver for me. So I can't, I can't speak to everybody in financial planning field. And there are certainly, just like you've mentioned, there's all different types of artists. Yeah. I mean, financial planning world is massive and there's a lot of ways to be in business right, in that right. industry. My, my experience with it was always client facing. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a good communicator. I enjoy talking to people. Yeah. I like being able to solve a problem. And so if you come at it from that point of view, I think people read that about you and will want to have yeah. you as their advisor because you're easy to talk to. You're a good communicator. You explain things in a way they understand it that doesn't yeah. you know, break their brain thinking about it, that you're looking out for their best interest. So I think those are the drivers yeah. of success in that industry. Uh, there are other trustworthy too. Trustworthy, right? like, like there are other positions that are the more even deeper analytical side. I said I was in spreadsheet hell today, but there is, <laughs> there is a whole level of spreadsheet hell that I have never had to be a part of because yeah. I've always been more client facing. So you know, I think it's uh, just being attention to detail, working on your skills constantly because everything in financial field is always changing too. different tax laws, different investment yeah. options yeah. that you always have to keep up with. So being willing to continually learn is a must in that industry too. 
And then what about on the on the art side? Like, what are some of the things that have served you well? On the art side, I would say that um, exposure to other artists and what mm-hmm. they do. I mean, throughout history of forever, other artists have been copying or borrowing or inspired by other artists. So surrounding yourself with people who are also creative and looking at what they do. I do have an Instagram page for my business too, and I pretty much only follow artists on that page. Mm -hmm. So if I scroll through my feed, I'm just seeing art, constant art, art, art. I did work part-time at Muse Paint Bar, which is where I sort of learned the skill of teaching a painting to a class. And during my time there, I think that I was extremely humbled because I was working with a lot of talented artists who would, we would hang our own artwork on the walls there too for sale. And so to see some of their work, I learned from them. Mm -hmm. They would tell me about what techniques they used for their painting. And it might be a totally different style than mine, but you still take something out of that if you're learning from Mm -hmm. somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, learning from others and with art, staying inspired, finding what your inspiration is because that's different for every artist. I really love nature. Nature, like especially in the autumn with the colors Uh, changing, I'm like assaulted with inspiration. (laughs) It's like, oh, I can't focus because of the colors. Um, (laughs) So that's me. And and so I like abstract art too because sometimes I'll just be like colors, shapes. You know, I'm so focused on that that identifying what is it that feeds your inspiration and and making sure you're constantly fed with that is yeah. is another good thing. So it's interesting as you're talking, as I'm getting to know you, and you're. It seems like you are someone who is like, how much are you at rest? Like, are you someone who's always in? <laughs> like, are you someone who's always in motion? It seems like yeah. just, you are. Yeah. You are, and yeah. like always. Um, kind of getting after it it feels like yes yes and I don't you know some people refer to that as the disease of being busy and and I do think in in some respects it is a disease that we are constantly scheduled and over scheduled but I I like to be busy I don't like to be idle Mm -hmm. and so I think it's hard for people to understand the more chill um, demeanor that a person has it's harder for them to understand like why why are you doing all this because I love it. It's, yeah. I like to be busy. I like to do different things. I like to push myself. Mm-hmm. So, do you think part of that too, because I, I, I wonder when you said that there was that period where you didn't have as many choices, mm-hmm. do you think that drives some of it now? Like, because you have opportunity. And so, whereas before you wanted opportunity and couldn't access it. And so, you know that now, like you, you have a comparator. Teresa's new book, Soft Skills I Learned the Hard Way, is out and available on Amazon. She writes about many epic fails throughout her career and how she learned from them so you don't have to. This book is full of cheat codes for how you can differentiate yourself when it matters, like in interviews, trying to get a promotion, or being a first-time leader. As always, thank you, Relatable Community. We are so grateful for your support and continued listenership. As of today... We are 10,000 listeners strong. Now back to the show. Yeah. So it, 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 I think it, I don't want to waste time. 
Yeah. I think that's yeah. what it is, is that it is like the you only live once mentality. And, um, you know, my, my mom in the last decade has had a lot of unexpected health issues. Mm. And I've, I've watched her struggle with it in a way that she's very limited now in what she mm. can do. And that's just awful. It's awful because she was kind of an always active person too. Yeah. And so, I don't know, there's something about the mortality element there too for me that I, I think, well, you can't predict what your health is going to be like mm-hmm. in the next five years, ten years. Like, I don't want to waste the yeah. energy that I have now and the physical health I have now. That transcends work too I mean it's like let's go on all the vacations let's see the world I don't I don't want to miss a thing and that's my driver yeah I just started thinking too and I'm sure this is published and I'm sure I've read it somewhere before but I just it's just kind of present in my life right now where I'm thinking of myself in terms of energy units and like how much how many units of energy you have during the day and where are you spending that energy and and there's lots of like you I'm a mom and then I have my own business that has a lot of different facets to it some of which is pro bono and so you know that seesaw of trying to you know get rid of it revenue plus you know doing the right thing and doing the good thing and being fulfilled and all those things but at the end of the day like really recognizing if you have so many units of energy like are you working smart you know, are you being efficient and are you spending it the way that you want to and with the people that you want to and all those things, you know, and maybe that's a part of like, I, I just, I'm 53. Uh, so it's certainly like that. It's very, I probably on brand and like stereotypical as you get closer to kind of this midway point of hopefully midway point of like, mm-hmm. you know, assessment of things and, and really to your point of like, I know what makes me feel good and I know what I don't want to miss out on that kind of FOMO. And then the idea of like the opportunity I've been given a lot of great, uh, exposure to things and the opportunity to share that with other people. And you have this cool way of doing it. And I think in two facets, like given your financial career, but then also through art, it's like you have this opportunity to teach people and help people and, uh, be able to, um, move them. So I think that's really cool. And then that idea of like, is this, you know, is this my, 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 um, my, I have one kid that's kind of an introvert and sometimes he'll go up to, he'll be like, I need to go upstairs and like charge my battery. That's like the term that we use for like when he's like ahead of a few people, but it's like, what is the thing that's going to charge your battery? Maybe for you, when you said you like to be busy, it's like, it's not like de- depleting your battery, but when you go and do a, a workshop with kids after school that, you know, that fills your battery. Yeah. I think, well, I don't know. I think that I, <sighs> I do fill my battery on the quiet activities yeah. too. You know, there's a reason I like swimming. You're underwater. <laughs> Nobody can talk to you or ask you any questions. You're just with your own self and your own thoughts. And so you can get organized and think about things. But I just have fun doing a lot of different things. And I find it fun. I don't know that it's necessarily like recharges my battery mm. to do all those things. Interesting. I think it's just I'm driven to do it because I don't want to miss out on things that I think are fun and that I still have kind of bucket list want to experience. Uh, I do recharge when I create art on my own Mm. and when I swim or do some kind of like 
quiet exercise. Interesting. Or a walk and you know, a hike. And you the make woods. sure you have that in your day or in your week so that you kind of balance yeah. all the other things that you're doing. Yeah, and that, that changes too. It might just be a hike in my backyard with my dog, you yeah. know, just quiet and no not even music on, just yeah. crunching leaves and hiking. <laughs> um, or underwater hearing myself blow bubbles. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> So I do, I do work that in and I know that I have this restless spirit that I want to continually do lots of things Mm -hmm. and I feel like there isn't enough life to do it all. So yeah, I keep... Are you an early riser? I'm not an early Mm -hmm. riser, actually. I'm more of a night owl. Okay. Although you were talking about energy units, Mm -hmm. I will, I can definitely say that from 30s to 40s, my energy units at night have dissipated uh i used to be able to accomplish a lot yeah i used to be able to do a lot and now i'm like really oh it's four o'clock i really can't do anything else productive for the rest of the day i'm done now it's time to wrap it up for you at this point right now and then I'll, i'll move into our some of our other questions around soft skills and things like that but you're just telling me as we sat down that you have a new studio that you're opening up so that's super exciting like what are some of your your dreams at this point with respect to where the art piece or your side hustle is going like what do you have a vision for what you Ugh. want that to be or yeah. not even maybe like the complete end goal but what yeah what are some of your your goals I mean, or what, what good looks like to you yeah I there's so many that it's I think that I get overwhelmed by yeah. it because I because I am a type of person who tends to over schedule myself that I'm like, what can I realistically do, though? What can I realistically do? Because I have that side, too, that's mm-hmm. saying, be realistic about what you can actually accomplish without burning out. Right. And so the studio, the studio came about with a friend of mine who just said, hey, we have a new building owner, and there's going to be space available for lease. You should look into it. So it wasn't really on my it wasn't really on my horizon that I was thinking, oh, I need a studio right, now. It wasn't right. on the necessary trajectory that I pictured. But when the opportunity came, I was like, it's literally perfect. It's it's close to my house. It allows me a separate space so I can get all of my class materials and art supplies out of our laundry room. And then it has this other space so that if I want to host events outside of a customer providing mm-hmm. a space for me suddenly I have a space that I can offer up to. Yeah. Uh, so now, you know, you, you asked me about, is my goal to ever leave the finance side? Mm-hmm. And I think it probably would be at this point. Yeah. Um, I would love to do, I would love to take my art smart classes and spread them throughout the school systems and the private schools too. And, to do that, I would have to really expand and hire people. Yeah. But it's also a limitation of supplies, too. You have to consider, there's a lot of supplies for yeah. art. Um, so my mind is always spinning of how do I, how do I scale this? How do I make this mm-hmm. more? How do I take it from one elementary school to all the elementary schools? Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of in the pipeline, trying to, to figure that out. <laughs> Um, I think for the new studio space, it's more, how can I have a separate space where I can organize myself 
yeah. and have that quiet space. A lot of times I'm, I've been working at my dining room table doing watercolors or in our office sharing with my husband while he does techie stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. So having that separate space is good. And just the ability to say, oh, you want a private event, but you don't feel like hosting it at your home or you don't have a space to host it. Well, I can host 20 here. Love it. You know, so and that's so the, those are things. Um, I had the idea of like a, a kids' night out, sort of to yes, I make income, but also I give back to the parents of the Clifton community where I say, drop your kids off, they will create art mm. while you shop, go to dinner, do whatever. So that's another thing that's the wheels are spinning. It's so cool because. You, it's interesting, like you and I are both similarly situated, at least on the your art side and my business with respect to kind of business to consumer and kids and an interest in developing youth. And for you, I feel like you have such a fun thing to work with. Like I'm, I'm in a space where I, I'm, it's like infotainment. I feel like once people start to play in the space that I'm trying to, to develop, they start to see why it is beneficial and what it can do for them. But for you, I feel like out of the gate, it, there's this fun element mm -hmm. that you can do so much with. It's like a conduit to yeah. like to to all sorts of other things, yeah. right? Where like, and it's um, uh, what's the word like additive, you know, to to someone's experience or there, there's a product that they kind of get. I don't know. There's just a lot of cool things that come from it that I feel like can it can be a like a great uh, mechanism to, for people to use to do a lot for a lot of different ways. Yeah. Which yeah. I love There's, that. Well, that's the thing. It's like you, yeah. you look at a musician who loves to play an instrument and then what percentage of those musicians become rock star famous? Right. Very small fraction, right. but there are so many ways to make a career in music that yeah. aren't the rock star path. And so I think that's where I am mentally now. Not like I'm trying to dream small, but I don't, I'm too realistic and practical to also think, oh, I'm going to be, you know, you're going to see all my art prints in big box stores next. You know, right. you go to Target and you see their whole wall and home goods and their whole wall <laughs> right. of prints. I don't have the delusions that I'm going to be one of those people because that's rock star status. I think that if I can find things that I enjoy doing that I also feel like I'm helping people in some way and it's art related, then yeah. that's, that's su success as an artist yeah. is that I'm able to share my art, create my art and maybe help other people love it too. Well, and you said too before, which I think I've heard now, I've talked to a lot of people now about, about path and success and one of the things you said that I think is worth noting and, and repeating when you said, I wasn't really looking for a studio, but, but someone tapped me on the shoulder and said, here's this opportunity. And I think when you're out in the world and you're doing good things and you're, you're, on, you're like in the journey and you're not so much thinking, I want to be, you know, rockstar. It's not like the goal isn't to be famous and rockstar, but like you're doing all the the things and the habits and the discipline to, to further your business forward, who knows where it could go? Yes. Like you could be, right? You could, yeah. but, but if that's the why, that can be hard to to reach that where that, that goal of I want to be everywhere versus like I really enjoy doing this and it's like beneficial to the community and it's beneficial to me. And each step that you're taking, that's like I can relate to that because I think similarly, you know, it's like 
when you have something that you love, you want to share it with everybody. Yeah. And that's the part to me that's the kind of rock star part where it's like, oh, if I had a, a platform to share it with everybody and they could feel what I feel, yeah. that's the part that is exciting. And then I think like, like you, it's like, but there's lots of ways to do this in a practical way mm -hmm. that feels good. And yeah. it's a great life. It doesn't, you know, you don't yeah. have to be there. So let's talk a little bit about soft skills, like, like yeah. hard left turn. Um, but you have so much exposure to lots of different uh, industry and, and facets of people. And I'll, I'll just ask, you know, I, I think maybe in the email traffic before we met uh, for this, you know, we talked a little bit about what it is. But for me, my passion is around helping individuals understand the value of the skills that augment their, what I call their hard skills. So whether you're an artist or an architect or a mathematician um, or a consultant, right? Pick your, pick your profession or even as a student, there's the discipline of the thing you're learning. Mm -hmm. And then there's, there's these, what I would call like our soft skills that augment and support. And I think those are the skills in my opinion that differentiate talent. And I also think that they, especially with AI and our continued evolution in technology. And I love technology. I'm not like a, a, a technology basher, but I do think the idea of human connection and human skills and being able to really apply those is going to, is going to be a differentiator. So for you, what are the one or two that you think are really important and critical for success? Well, I think, I mean, number one, just being able to communicate with yeah. people effectively yeah. um, and honestly, that's, honestly, it doesn't yeah. matter, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Uh, clients that I've worked with in the finance field or writing or art, being able to say and set expectations for customers that you're mm -hmm. working with too of, here's my process, here's how this is going to go, let me know if you have questions before we even get started. The communication is key. And I think we saw, I think we all saw through COVID, just the disconnect between yeah. virtual meetings and just straight email communication to actually sitting face to face with somebody and being yeah. able to have a conversation. Um, so I think communication effectively is, <laughs> is number one. Yeah. You know, I would say just having a delicate approach to and a good listening ear mm -hmm. for the person that you're communicating with. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be huge too because you also learn something maybe you wouldn't have if you were just talking the whole time. I think in the world of finance too, the people that I've met and talked to and we talked about it a little bit before, but that idea of honesty and communication and trust and recognizing that it's such an emotional thing for people, their money. Mm -hmm. So it's a unique industry in that you have to be equal parts analytical and understand your subject matter such that when you're asked hard questions, you're, you're able to answer them. And at the same time, do that with a comfort and ease. That's like, yeah. you, you're, you're going to like, it's okay. You can trust me. Right. You know? And that's, that's like a, that's not an easy, I yeah. think, um, tightrope is that the yeah mm -hmm. to, to walk like in terms of being able to context switch and go yes. back and forth between those two things not to over explain yeah not to under explain yeah um make sure you're communicating all of the important details <laughs> but maybe not overwhelm somebody yeah. with the back office 
side of it. It does, yeah. Yeah, and and I mean, art is completely different realm than that. But I will say, it's the same. If I get a commission, mm-hmm. or that I I'll need to say, okay, here's my process or how I work. Okay, you want to have your whole family on the picture. But it's a small portrait, so just understand they're going to be really tiny and more impressionist style. You're not going to get a whole bunch of detail on, like, a little tiny family. It, it's just communicating that yeah. and making sure, like, are we on the same page? Do we understand each other? Um, you can't come to an agreement about anything if you're not Do you clear. typically work, work off a picture? Yes, for the most part. It's yeah. not like you have a whole family standing in front no, of you. No, no, no. Are those days also, over? Like, I don't know. I like, don't think so. I've heard yeah, that there are weddings that are doing stuff like that now. Oh, that's um, so yeah. But no, that, so I typically do studio work. A picture is reference. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes it might be somebody who lives out of state, you know. Right. Yeah. I can't go to their house and, you know, <laughs> paint <Your> it. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of yeah. times it's pictures. All right. And then lastly, I would ask, what about your advice to young Rebecca? So you've had, you know, some experiences and you've been on this journey to date. So if you were to put your arm around, you know, like 20-something, 25-year-old, yeah, uh, 27 maybe, given that was a big moment for you. But, you know, what what advice would you give her to make the path a little easier? Um, I would just say, and I'll, I'll say it to little Savannah and my, my other <laughs> Yeah, that's another too, way to because, it. Yes, what would you tell um, your kids? Yeah. Because I have a senior, so, you know, that's, oh, this is, yeah. it always perplexes me that people in high school then have to start thinking about what they want to do when... I've been all over the place and, you know, there's no resolution really. Um, (laughs) Just keeps going. Still trying to figure it out. I would say keep an open mind. Mm -hmm. We talked about identifying an opportunity when it comes. Yeah. And if it's a good fit for you, Mm -hmm. that it might just come out of the blue if something you weren't expecting. But if it sounds like it's a good fit, even if it's a mitten fit and not a glove, (laughs) then, you know, entertain it. consider it and also converse to that I would say that don't be afraid to say no to things even when they're a seeming good opportunity because you cannot say yes to everything I say yes a lot but I don't say yes all the time and I think that's a hard skill for even for maybe especially women that we yeah. just want to please and, and say yes and a lot. to your point around the FOMO before, like, I, I sometimes I think I don't say no because, or, you know, I'm afraid of missing out or I'm afraid of missing an opportunity. Yeah. But I think there, that you have to measure it. And, yeah. and if an opportunity comes, really evaluate it and play your own devil's advocate. You know, what's the, what is the good that can come of this? What is the bad that can come of this? Pros and, friend, yeah. Yeah, and measure it and see if it's, if it's in your trajectory and don't, I guess the other thing is don't beat yourself up over the stops and starts because mm, that's good. most yeah. people don't have a linear path in their career. It's, yeah. Most people don't. Yeah. And it's not like how baby boomers are greatest generation that maybe they'd stick and stay someplace for 30 years. This side hustle economy is real and you yeah. know, even the financial planning firm I work with now is sending out blast emails about side hustle economy. So it's real. And I think it's okay. I think that there are a lot of ways to make a living and it doesn't have to be the traditional way, but you have to look out for what your 
mentally and financially capable of handling too in terms of stress. Yeah. Because certain certain routes are going to be the path of least resistance and less stressful and others will have a lot of stress but maybe you'll get something out of it differently. So those are hard decisions to make. So <laughs> I don't I know. I think the self-awareness <laughs> to that to your point self-awareness and I do think the idea of intentionally a lot of what you just mentioned, I think, is intentional decision making mm -hmm. and not just like, oh, leave it up to chance. And if no, but there's this idea of like calculated risk or calculated decisions. Like if I'm going to say no, I know why I'm saying right. no and, and I know what I may be giving up and right. I'm OK with that. Yeah. Versus like I'm saying yes and I'm saying yes because it might not be this, but it could be this. And if it ends up not being this, I'm going to be OK, too. Yeah. You know? I think, and I think that's, I think strongly that I, what I want to communicate because I think my greatest fear is to be perceived as like flighty or just like mm. all over the place. When in reality, even though I've had lots of different paths, every single decision I have like dwelled yeah. on it and considered it and weighed it and stressed about, should I do this? Should I not? Which, what's the better option? And there was a, there was a TED talk I listened to recently that sort of changed my whole viewpoint mm. of myself. And it was about the concept of a multi-potentialite. Multi-potentialite. Multi okay. And so you can Google that TED Talk. But it essentially is saying that there are a lot of people out there that maybe have like a singular interest or at least interests that are can be easily grouped together. That mm. it makes sense for a certain career path that you stay on that career path, or at least within that realm for your whole career. But then there are other people who have very diverse interests and skills, both. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it hard for those people to just pick one direction because there's too many things they like doing. Yeah. And there's too many things they're good at doing. Not great, but good yeah. at doing. And so that's the jack-of-all-trades mentality mm -hmm. that I think in recent years we've focused really highly on you know, these highly specialized degrees that you can get. And I came from a liberal arts education background, so the jack-of-all-trades mentality was fine in that yeah. realm. And, it, you know, I think we just need to make sure that people understand that we're not round pegs in a round hole. We're all built differently. Yeah. And so to be able to, like, have the self-awareness to say, oh, wow, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just a total flake yeah. for having all of these yes. different interests. It's just kind of how I'm built. Yeah, and there's room for all of it. I think that's the that one of the things I've learned over time that I'm really trying to tap into more is this idea of scarcity, and that is that is not true, and you create that. So if you if you tell yourself like you have these interests and you want to feed these interests, and there's ways to operate in the world, why not? You yeah, know, yeah. You shouldn't. You, you don't have to be just doing one thing or or the fact that like or it doesn't there's no def doesn't define you one way or the other there's like no judgment required mm -hmm. <laughs> in terms of how how you operate i want to ask you really quick just because you made me think of it before i let you go is there one thing this may be hard to answer and i'm putting you on the spot so if you, if you don't have one but is there something that that you were offered that was a mitten that then has transferred into something much more than you thought so I'll give you an example. I'll give you time to think. Well, I, so I had one of my early consulting gigs when I went out on my own and did my own business. There was a job that was presented to me, and I was like, I don't want to do this. But I knew, like, I needed the money, and I knew I could do it. Yeah. Like, I was very capable of doing it. 
but I just was like, I, I wanted all, I had finally broken free of corporate America, and I yeah. just was like, I have all this to offer, you know, right. huh, this is like same old, same old. Right. So I took this opportunity, and it was very, it was less than a mitten. It was like, <laughs> right? And it was a mitten with a lot of holes. Yeah. And, um, and then when I, after I took it, and I put in a lot of time, that opportunity evolved into something that I could never have predicted. And I still have a relationship there and I'm still doing really cool things there and things that I couldn't, couldn't have done had I not put in the first few years of doing the stuff that I was like, oh, you know, and it just so I said yes, because I, you know, there was a, there was like a fiscal reason, but then it was like for it to continue, it did, I could have left it, you know, but I just kept it kept growing and changing in ways that felt like I was like, oh, and if you had asked me then, like I was close to saying no, or I could have easily said no. Mm -hmm. And it changed and it really changed the path of, of the business. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you have anything like that? Yeah, I probably have more than we have time to talk <laughs> about, but um, I, I will say, um, well, two things. We didn't, we didn't touch on one of my career paths that yes. was parallel to art. The time that I was a stay at home mom, um, I left my financial career in uh, 2013 and decided to dedicate some time to the two babies. And, um, well, three, but mm -hmm. one wasn't a baby. And I, my financial planning firm called me back at some point, maybe six months into my exodus, and said, will you still write blogs for us, though? <laughs> and... I was, you know, I had a dual role. I was client-facing, but they knew I could write because I had that background mm -hmm. from college. Yeah, journalism. there you go, the journalism. And so I had Your been... Your crafted degree, which I love. I had been writing blogs for them when I worked for them. And I had been editing the blogs that the other partners at the firm were writing, too. They'd say, your grammar and stuff is good, so can you just edit these and write blogs? And I was like... You know, I, I said I was going to just be done with a career and just raise my family and not have work right now. Just mm -hmm. take a couple of years to just yeah. soak in this time with my kids. But I said yes. And the next thing I know, they were, you know, asking me for larger projects. And can you write this business presentation? And then, you know, they affiliated with some other company. And they they hired me to do website content. And... It was, oh it kind of got gosh. bigger than I ever intended it. I thought, oh, like I'm your own write. business, like yes. your own kind of consulting yes. business. I, so I started my own LLC at the time and it was, I was doing marketing writing and I had only a handful of clients, but they were keeping me busy enough for a little part time. I didn't want to do a big income. Yeah. I was trying to raise my kids, but I would be like, crank out the blogs, you know, and write the website content. And I worked for such a variety of companies during that time. It's, it is something that I still take pride in. Um, my primary client went out of business during COVID. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, I just, I let it go. Yeah. And, and I was like, I'm not going to try to like market and get new customers. Mm -hmm. I, I just took people that kind of came to me or referred. But I wrote for like, I wrote a commercial for a concrete company. Oh, that's wrote, awesome. Um, website content for an educate a nonprofit educational for other financial firms, insurance companies. Uh, so uh, that's, you know, no stone unturned. Yeah. You know, your bucket list. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a writer. Great. Check it off. I was a writer. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it didn't last for many years, but I did it. And it was all came from me just saying, okay, I'll write a in, couple of blogs a month for And it you. worked in your life, too. That mm-hmm. was That's a great thing. Like, you knew kind of what you wanted, but then... And that speaks also, which, you know, I know we're going way over, but it does speak to the fact that you were very good at what you did for them to reach out. That's yeah. the other thing that I feel like we shouldn't lose in this story, which is in order to have all these opportunities it's because you're showing up and you have experiences with people that's like proven that you're capable and good at what you do and you put time into that right so that's what allows for the extra call that says we know that you know if you're going to be not really present in front of us face to face every day but we know we can rely on you because you've been dependable and we know that what you you were able to create your brand before yeah, you left there. So that's work ethic. Yeah. No matter what yeah. it is that yeah. you, you know, I don't care if it's my primary passion. If I've agreed to do something, yeah. I'm going to really do it. Yeah. And I'm going to do it to the best that I possibly can. Yeah. So I think that's for the soft skills. I mean, yeah. To go into whatever job you're doing and have a positive attitude when you're there and really give a hundred percent. Maybe it's not your dream job. Maybe it's the mitten. <laughs> but give a hundred percent. Give a hundred percent because you never know. You never know where that can lead. And, and that opposite is true. Like if you give fifty or seventy, there's doors closing. Yeah. As you are, you know, it's you, you, that hundred percent is a big deal. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. This was great. It this was, was great. It was so nice to get to know you a little bit better, and um, also to hear about. The journey and the path, and I think the like what's influenced it along the way too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I learned a lot, so I just yeah, thanks so much. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca, for coming on the show. I love talking about hard work and dedication, and I appreciate your perspective on that and the power of resilience. I enjoyed your comments on how to juggle multiple roles and how to maximize your time in order to follow your dreams, and love your sage advice regarding the importance of honest communication and learning how to say no. Audience, please check out Rebecca's online gallery and all of her services at Purple Haze, that's H-A-Y-E-S, so purplehaze.gallery. Thank you to Missy for producing this episode and to Hannah for your support. A big thank you to our relatable community. We continue to grow our audience and really appreciate all of our listeners who stayed with us. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment and subscribe either on YouTube or your favorite streaming platform. Relatable is sponsored by TFA Soft Skills and you can find more information about Relatable and our sponsor by visiting tfasoftskills.com. Until next time, this is Teresa Freeman with Relatable. Stay connected.